Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast based on learning the biblical principles and truths and shaping your worldview to match those. Mm. We dive deep every week on Tuesdays in a biblical study, and then on Thursdays we dive into what the culture has taught us and how that does not always and very rarely, in fact, matches up to what the <laughs> scriptures say about who we are, what we should be doing, and what our worldview should be. My name is Jesse Mayer. I am your host, and without further ado, we have to have our salty pastor to have the Salty Pastor Podcast, <laughs> Dr. Douglas Peak. Well, welcome everybody. Merry Christmas today. It is December 24th. It is Christmas Eve. I'm so excited. Uh, last weekend, we kind of kicked off our very first Christmas Eve service, and this is going to be a wonderful time for you and your family. What time are our services going to be today, Jesse? Well, we dropped this podcast early, very specifically, so you could attend a 2 o'clock service, a 3.30 service, or a 5 o'clock service, either online or here in person at Foothills Christian Church in beautiful Boise, Idaho. And it's a tremendous opportunity, a great tradition for you and your family. We're going to have on-campus services during those time slots. But if you're in a vulnerable population or if your job requires you to be on a front line or working with these groups, uh, we have a complete online toolkit for you so that you can get the most out of it. Go to our website, download it. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, learn how you can do it digitally if you're not so tech savvy. We wrote it all out so that even the most technologically um, challenged There you go. Good. Um, figure it out. And that's what we want is we want to make the, the digital experience as easy as possible for anybody who needs to shelter or, or um, be separated, unfortunately, during these holidays. Yeah, do and, not do this alone. Do, yes. Don't do this alone. And if your family can't be with you, don't just accept that. Use digital bridges to be with your family. Yeah, we have. It's a blessing and really a gift that this happened at such a time as this, when we yeah. have all these technological tools that allow you to still make connections. They are not the same as being face-to-face -face with someone, mm -hmm. but they are way better than it would have been back in the day when you would have just had to sit in your house and you would have no way of connecting with anybody in any form. We have phones, right. we have video conferencing, we have text messaging, we have videos, we have all of these things that will allow you to allow connect you to do it. no matter what state or uh, population you are in. So, and And please do not do... Christmas alone. Absolutely. You know, God is with us, Emmanuel. And so, you know, that's what our Christ's birthday offering is going into. And that is, is that when COVID has showed us is that uh, today there are more people living as singles. There's more people living alone. There's more people having to work from home. There's more marriages. There's more families that are stressed and pressured right now. And we want to build bridges to them in every way, shape, and form. And that's what our Christ's birthday offering is all about. It's to try to bring spiritual tools, spiritual medicine to hearts that are breaking under all of this. And our goal is when Jesus said, hey, if you have 99 sheep in the pen and there's a sheep that's lost and it's a part of your flock what are you going to do you're going to go out and you're going to look for it and what we want to do is we're going to take our christ's birthday offering and we're going to invest it in ways to go seek and search the lost people in our own flock who are hurting and need and we want to 
encourage them and minister to them and shepherd them with things that make a massive difference. And once most, one of the most exciting things is, is that we've had a couple of people come together and say, whatever you choose to give, we will match your gift dollar for dollar up to $175,000. Wow. So you can double the impact of your gift. You know, and it's a great thing. And there's another thing is that no, people are not aware of this in the CARES Act bill that came out by Congress is that if you take the standard deduction on your taxes, which most people do, you can also take an additional three hundred dollar uh, deduction. So you can increase your standard deduction by three hundred bucks if you give that three hundred dollars to a nonprofit. And that includes churches. Hmm. Well, that is very good to know. Yeah, so you can double the impact of your gift. You give 300 bucks, and it can be doubled to 600 and it gives you an additional deduction on your taxes. It's really kind of a sweet That's deal. really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Well, we are in a series titled Jesus is King. It's the study of the Christologies. These are passages of Scripture in the New Testament that specifically describe the nature of Jesus. We thought it would be appropriate at Christmas, the celebration of his birth, that we study his nature. Yeah, because it's it's the incarnation is really what we're celebrating at, at uh, Christmas. What that means is God letting go of himself and taking the form of a human being walking among us and submitting himself to death on a cross. That was the Philippians chapter two passage where it describes that in great detail, exactly how it works. So the whole notion of the incarnation is what gives the birth of Jesus such power as we celebrate it. Because we're celebrating that Jesus has the authority to be the king. He has the power to be the king. He has the only capacity to redeem us as king. And so that's why Christmas is such a great time of giving. Because it's everything we give, everything that we sacrifice is simply a mere fraction of what God gave to us. Absolutely. Well, and continuing our study of his nature, we're in 1 John chapter 4. On Tuesday, we studied that, the chapter of love. And I really enjoyed the connection between the truth as the foundation from which we like we really experience authentic love. Um, I was wondering if we could dive a little bit deeper into that. Well, you know, it's interesting because God, we, we talked about last week how God redeeming us gives us a definition of human beings right that is affirming beyond belief right that yes. our, value our value is huge amazing and so uh what's interesting about that is that our value then needs we need to be redeemed because the taint of sin undermines our value and separates us from God. So the fact that he came to redeem us makes us valuable and the fact that he can redeem us wipes away that which devalues us. And so why would God do that? I mean, what would motivate somebody to do that? And, you know, I mean, most human beings, if we're created in the image of God and we have aspirations, we want love, we care about people. But, you know, if you're driving down the road, you know, and you're in a traffic jam and 
uh, you see somebody pulled over, right? And you, you go buy them, they're on their cell phone. I mean, 99.9% .9 of the people do what? They go, oh, well, they're fine. They're taken care of, you know, <laughs> blah, right. blah, blah, blah. And how do you know that person's not on the phone trying to call 911 saying, someone's trying to kill me? <laughs> you know, right. you don't know. But uh, we do, we just kind of do that because we don't know those people. We don't know. And yet what happens is, is that God says, look, you, I know. I already know you better than you know yourself. So what would happen if I was driving down the road and I saw one of my kids on a cell phone with a broken down car? What I wouldn't hesitate to do what? Pull, Pull over, over and help them. And help. Why, why would I not hesitate to do that? Because I love, love them. them. And see, God doesn't hesitate to pursue us. He doesn't hesitate to come to earth, even those who ignored him and even today those who ignore him and reject it he doesn't hesitate to step out in a redemptive act because he loves us and that's why i love this chapter and i think the thing that it, it, the biggest implication it has on our world today is that love is the highest purpose of the human soul hmm. so it is the highest purpose and last week we talked about the definitions of humanity that's why atheists can't love That's a very blunt I'm, state. Yeah, I'm like, okay, I, okay. <laughs> yeah. They can't. Atheists cannot love because they have no rational basis for loving. And in their own definition, their definition of love is chemical stimulus response. So it the only reason, doesn't mean anything. The only reason I bond with another human being is because what they do for me. And everybody knows that's not the definition of real love. <laughs> That's transactional. It's transactional. Yeah, everybody has been, it's been drilled into our head for centuries that love is what? Unconditional, you know? So you can't love if you're an atheist. Now, I know if an atheist listens to this, an atheist is going to want to send me an email and stuff like that. Uh, feel free. I'm just articulating your position. That's your position, not mine. And... So I think it's really important if you're struggling, whether you could buy this whole God stuff and if Jesus is real and all this kind of stuff, then I understand your skepticism and I understand your intellectual desire to wrestle through it. But if you're going to be intellectually honest with yourself, then you need to say, if I'm not going to believe one thing, I'm believing something else. And what am I believing? Mm. And this is what you're believing. You know, so atheists cannot love. All right. Um, the other thing we talked about is uh, Hinduism. We talked about Islam. We talked about uh, Buddhism. We talked about theism. We talked about Christianity. And the one thing I love, I don't have time to go into all of those. You can listen to last week's. Last Thursdays. Yeah, last Thursdays. But on, today on Christmas Eve, I just want you to understand that because of Jesus and the way he defines us as human beings we see that the highest purpose of my life is love. And it's interesting because that's an intellectual or kind of an abstract truth, but I would like to tell everybody today that's the way everybody you know lives, whether they love God or hate God, whether they go to church or they don't go to church, whether they're an addict, addict that does a lot of really bad things or they're the most moral neat people you've ever met in your life every single person when you strip it all away is living for love hmm. 
So do you want to break that down on why that <laughs> statement is true? Well, first of all, it, it's we know it's physiologically true, right? Uh, uh, for instance, there's babies that are born in the NICU units and their parents are addicted to crack or homeless or whatever. And so they're not allowed to be around the children. You know what they found real quick in the NICU unit is that those children's, uh, those those babies that are in, in trouble, their immune system will not develop unless a human being comes in and holds them and rocks them and loves them. Hmm. So physiologically, you're created for love. You know, do you like people that hate your guts or do you like pe hang around people who like you? I mean, I would say probably the latter. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We 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 want to hang around people that affirm us and love us and encourage us, even as adults. You know, you know, I mean, guys, even the toughest guys, the guys who are guys, they don't like hanging around guys they don't like and don't like them. Right. You know, like hanging around guys or women, uh, CEOs of companies and janitors. Uh, I mean, all across the thing, we see everybody lives in a way that says, I'd rather spend time with people I like. Even if you're like the most massive introvert ever and you don't like any other human being, if you're an introvert, you like spending time with who? Yourself. Yourself. So see, <laughs> you need to like yourself. <laughs> and so you must like your own company. Um, so physiologically, it's true. I think the other thing that goes beyond that is emotionally, we know it's true. And that is children need to be loved and nurtured in order to grow and thrive. Uh, when we do premarital counseling, we use this tool called Prepare and Rich. And it's the largest relationship inventory assessment in the history of the world. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of couples have gone through it. Wow. It's massive data. It's longitudinal. It's probably 40 years old now. It comes out of the University of Minnesota. They have a family life center up there. And uh, they've done some really great work. And what's really fascinating in it is that they track your family of origin on a continuum. And one continuum is closeness, like emotion. You know, how loved did you feel or how not loved did you feel? And then they... they they have another continuum structured. In other words, how strict was it or how instrict was it? You know where all serial killers come from? They live in highly structured homes with no love. Hmm. That's how they grew up. There was zero emotional closeness. The healthiest people grow the best kids, the kids that grow up and achieve the most grow up when they score really high on the continuum of emotional closeness. In other words, they feel loved by their parents and their siblings and high structure. Hmm. So when, when people say, yeah, you know, I don't want to have structure for my kids. I want them to discover yourself. What you're actually saying is I don't really love you. Hmm. When you want to raise your kids, say, oh, I don't want to force them to go to church. You know, that was rammed down my throat. No, I don't like that. But, but what you're saying is actually is I really don't love my kids. That's a salty statement, pastor. I'm pretty darn salty today. <laughs> Because Christmas Eve, and I want to give you the greatest gift of all. I want to give you the gift of love. That's what the kingdom of Jesus is all about. It's about the gift of love. And love is the highest purpose of your soul. All adults need meaning and purpose in order to survive. Uh, there's an illustration that came out of uh, Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. He talks about how during World War II, they were locking up Jews and other people, gypsies and so forth, Romanians that they didn't like, in concentration camps. 
And in these concentration camps, they were work camps at the beginning. And so what happened is they kind of ran out of stuff for them to do because it got so expensive to actually move the work camp and it, they were getting overcrowded. So what they did is they would have people walk out into this field that was filled with rocks, pick the rocks up and move them to another field. And then once they were done, they had to pick up the rocks then and move them back to where they came from. And after a few months of doing this back and forth, back and forth, uh, many of the prisoners were taunting the guards to shoot them. Because their life was so meaningless. It, it, yeah, or what they were doing had no purpose to it. It was pure torture, a psychological torture, and they'd rather die than do it again. And that just goes to show you is that you cannot survive without purpose. When uh, people who are trained to to work on a suicide hotline and when you're trained to work with people who are thinking that and going through that you know people in, in pastoral ministry are trained with that counselors and therapists and everything the thing is that you look for people who express zero hope or zero meaning and they do it that's how you have to take their threat seriously and that is the first thing is they threaten to do it and then they've thought through how to do it so they have motive and they have means. Mm. And so you're trained to look for that. And that's how you know it's really serious and whether an intervention needs to happen. But it all precipitates on one thing, and that is what? Zero hope. Zero meaning. There's no reason to be alive. And so adults need love. Without love, there's no hope. Without love, there's no bonding. Without love, there's no friendship. Without love, there's no marriage. Without love, there's no altruism. Without love, there's no raising children to reach their fullest potential. Without love, I mean, your soul is designed for love, and it is designed for the love of God. And this is why Jesus said to the woman at well, at the well, said, look, your pursuit of sexual relationships is you're trying to find love, and you will always be thirsty. After every encounter, you're always thirsty. But if you drink of the water I give you, your soul will never what again? Thirst. It will never thirst again. Why? Because we are meant for love. It is the highest purpose of your life. If you're a man and you wonder why your life is not fulfilling, if you wonder why you uh, are missing out on life, if you struggle with despondency or aimlessness or a lack of ambition, well, I want you to know the reason why is because love is not the greatest pursuit of your life. John Eldridge, in his book, uh, Wild at Heart, he says to all men, look, men need three basic things to be men, an adventure to live, a battle to win, and a beauty to rescue. Mm -hmm. He said, that's what it is. It all comes down to those three, th those three things. And what happens is we try to supplant a true adventure, a true battle, and a true beauty with material things or lesser things or false things. And that is, if you make love the greatest calling of your life as a man, I guarantee you a couple things are going to happen. Number one is you're going to discover the power of Jesus Christ in your life. Number two, you're going to live the greatest adventure you have ever lived in your life. And number three, you're going to have a battle that you're going to have to fight to win because you'll enter the battle for your soul, right? And that is the ultimate battle of wrong versus right. Why do I as a man like to go see movies with action in them? I love action movies. And why is that? Because in that story... Evil is clearly defined and good is clearly defined. 
and the good guy gets to pull out all the weapons and blow the living snot out of the bad guy. <laughs> I love that. I love when the good guy just beats the living crap. Is that salty? A little bit, but okay. I think it's a good kind of salty. But it, he beats the living snot out of the bad guy, you know? And, I mean, he's taking a few hits, and he's he can get down. But like Rocky, he stands up, man. He just comes back and just pummels that guy into submission. That is, well, I, I love those movies. I love that. Why? Because that's a reflection of what's happening in the real world. And when I get out in the real world, you know, uh, is that guy really my enemy you know is that guy over there really a bad person or is he just like me trying to fight i don't know i don't know and and i don't want to be a mean guy or violent guy i want to be a good guy and how how can i do that will you make love the the ultimate purpose of your soul and what you're going to find is you're going to be in the ultimate battle against good and evil because evil in god's kingdom and that Jesus is king is clearly defined and it's those things that Satan uses to destroy your manhood and he's very good at it so when you fight you better be tougher than hell because hell's coming after you and so that's why I think men need love and they need to live for love authentic everything else is love. less it's authentic love and that one of the things that he'll do is Satan will do is he'll come in and say you know what love is really good sex if you can just have any sex you want, any time you want, that's love. And you have to fight that battle for your soul and go, that's not true. Mm. You see, it's not true. The ultimate love is when I love a woman the way God loves me. I love her covenantally. And that means God, like we said earlier, because he redeems me, gives my, val my life value. I am a human being with great dignity and sovereignty. And that woman over there has the highest value in my life. And I'm going to love her like God loves me, you see. And so when we come together in sexual intimacy, that's when you experience the greatest lovemaking of your life. Because you're not having sex. You're making love. Hmm. That's why men pursue love because you'll have a beauty to rescue, a battle to win, an adventure to live. It's the greatest thing that brings the most joy. And I'd like to say, by the way, historically speaking, in the last 1,500 years, the, the people that have done some of the greatest feats of adventure, some of the greatest accomplishments and discoveries in science and stuff, all came out of Christianity. So many of them that started it, you know, take Newton, for instance, you know, these guys were all Christians. So they obviously were motivated by something. So if you're a man, light your heart on fire, live, stop not living, live and pursue love as the highest calling of your life. Do you want to talk to the ladies? Well, ladies, the same thing. You know, women is what, what women, um, I think, need to do is make true love, not just relationships, the identifying marker of their life. You know, they, they need to look to how can I love the people around me the way God loves me? When a woman makes, and women kind of have a more intrinsic uh, feel or sense towards this, I think, so it's a little easier for them to make love the highest calling of their lives. The problem, though, I think that women come across is they sometimes think control is love. Mm. And so that's their biggest challenge. And control is really, really big for women, and it's biologically ingrained in you. And that is, is that in general, right, uh, almost every woman out there is going to get married. Nine, and across the globe, and I'm speaking globally, I think 94% of the human population gets married. 
okay? And they get married to someone of the opposite sex. And what's going to happen is your partner, when you're a woman, I said 90% of the time or higher, is going to be physically stronger than you, right? So there's going to be a deep-seated sense that control is important because biologically, I am at a disadvantage when it comes to physical strength right there. Now, you might be that rare person that marries a female MMA fighter, you know, or a CrossFit <laughs> champion, you right. know, and it's like, yeah, my wife can outlift me, you know. But uh, what you need to understand is even though physically she's achieved those goals, emotionally and, and spiritually, she's got ingrained biologically in her physiology those concepts and ideas, and so you have to be able to address them. So for women, they're going to have to wade through that as well. And so that's why I say women, the best thing you will ever do, regardless of how physically fit you are and how strong you are physically, is to realize the pursuit of loving God and trusting God is probably the greatest fulfillment of my soul. Right. Mm. Just like the woman at the well. And I'm not saying all women are like the woman at the well. <laughs> I'm just simply saying the woman at the well was confronted with true, authentic worship. And Jesus said, when you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. And so women, wouldn't it be great to walk in the fullness of God's love where you feel completely affirmed, completely secure, completely loved? You know, I don't think a human being will ever give you that. But Jesus can. And that's why love is the greatest purpose of your soul. Uh, I'd like to say marriages. Marriages today will not exist on a definition of humanity that comes from atheism, scientism, or any of these other belief systems that, that dehumanize human beings. It can only come from something that raises the dignity and sovereignty. And this is why I think finding a soulmate is only possible in Christianity, where you really you know, find someone that you are truly reflecting the one flesh imagery that God speaks about in the book of Genesis. And then Jesus mentions it again in Matthew, that God designed it this way. And that's what our souls long for. And so how do we find that? Well, have your marriage pursue God's authentic love. And he describes what that is in first Corinthians chapter 13 verses four and following. And, uh, your friendships, you know, friendships are really, really important, and friendships spur us on, right? Friendships inspire us, or they can drain us and drag us down and be a poor influence on Absolutely. us. Absolutely. So why not make love, your uh, authentic love, a God kind of love the, way, love, the way he loves me, I love my friends, right? And that means I always start with truth. So I'm not going to subjugate myself. This is the antidote for codependency. This is the antidote for abuse in relationships and friendships. This is the antidote for being taken advantage of and victimized by other people. This is the antidote for all of these problems that create fear in relationships and friendships. It's the antidote for it because you start with truth and then you love the way God loves you. You love them. And so uh, I, I think that when you make love the highest purpose of your soul, the highest pursuit of your life, you are going to live the greatest adventure. You're going to have the greatest joy. You're going to have the greatest everything. And that's why when it says to his kingdom, there will be no end that the kingdom of Jesus is the kingdom of love. That is gets me excited <laughs> i mean it's just it's it's such an inspiring thing and it's great to hear especially 
at the end of 2020 when we've had such a hard year and stuff yes. like hearing those words where we know that our savior our king loves us this much and that yes. we can truly be fulfilled as long as we're pursuing an authentic love not mm-hmm. this culturally perpetuated form of love but a real true love for our friends our family mm-hmm. um our our significant others that we can really find true fulfillment and and be happy <laughs> yes and and i like the way you say authentic love because you know what love does is when it says love conquers all you know people always interpret that as oh uh my spouse and i you know ran into this problem or this temptation or a bankruptcy or this happened over there you know but our love will conquer all but actually it's much more deep than that and what it means is this is that uh, there's a problem in our relationship and, and every marriage has it. There's a problem in our love for each other because, you know, the way you deal with something and I deal with it differently and we don't come is that I, ha- the, I have to conquer all of the things that stop us from being one flesh. Hmm. When it says love conquers all, that's what you're doing. And so what you're doing is you're weeding and removing all of the things in your relationship that stop it from being one flesh. You see, and that's why that's when I when I tell men, I say, get up and lead in your marriage. That's what I mean, because some guys are like, well, I don't know where to go. And I go, well, you know how to make your marriage better. You know what you're doing that undermines your intimacy with your wife. And if you don't ask her, you know, and so say, lead the way. Love conquers all. And that means it's going to conquer all the things inside of us that Satan uses to do what? What, what does Satan want to happen between two people that love each other? It's to tear them apart. Tear them apart. Yeah, get them fighting and toxic and everything else. You know, there's no greater thing that, that Satan loves coming out of the mouth of another person when they had a relationship with one another and then they say, man, that person is so toxic. Mm. That person is so evil. You know, Satan's having a party. Right. You know? God's party is when one sinner comes unto salvation in him. When, so God's party is healing. It's redemption. It's love. Uh, you know, love conquers all. And what it does is it conquers all the things that separate us as human beings. Well, what a great way to celebrate Jesus' birth. Amen. By talking about his love for us. So we are, you're going to be finishing up the third section of this on sunday so the yes. salty pastor uh will be well actually about- on christmas eve services today is, is yeah so this yeah so we're actually because you know on tuesday we but talked about the them. verse <laughs> then on thursday that you know we're dropping this early yeah, so yeah. this afternoon and tonight i'm going to be talking about jesus the kingdom of love okay so and then on sunday the 27th uh, we're gonna we're gonna have church and we're gonna do everything the same like we always do. So don't miss out on that. Yeah, make sure you. But Harv and I are gonna be doing something special. Oh, you are. Yes, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see that, and uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Please, 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 please do not skip out on Christmas Eve service, no matter what your condition is or what your situation is yes. due to COVID. Please please engage in Christmas Eve services in some way or another. And don't do it alone. Yeah, Find do someone not do it alone. to do it with, um, whether it's remotely over um, virtual through digital means or you come down to the building. We want to love on you. We want to create a community. And what better time to show and demonstrate love than during Christmas? 
Amen. Well, I just want to say, everybody, Merry Christmas. Tomorrow, have a blessed day celebrating the birth of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His kingdom is love, and his love, or his kingdom, has no end. All right. We'll see you next week on the Salty Pastor. Salty Pastor. Blessings.